ladies and gentlemen, goobers and ghouls, dear listeners, welcome back to Fear Boners. Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and thank you so much for tuning in for our latest episode. Thank you to our new listeners, and thank you especially to our returning listeners. It means the world that you look out for our new episodes and look forward to them coming out in a sporadic interval. I know we don't have a very regular release schedule, but that is a New Year's resolution of ours, is to get back on track with getting you regular content, regular episodes to enjoy in this new year of 2019. So, that being said, we're going to jump right into things this week. And I know our last episode returning after the holiday hiatus, we skipped a few things as we normally do. And so right off the bat, I'm going to get into what I'm drinking and what I'm watching. What I'm drinking right now is some wine. It it was an unmarked bottle that I found tucked in a gutter in the streets of Boston. And there was a label on it. It looked like it was made by a doctor. I don't know what being a doctor has anything to do with making wine, but this doctor made some wine. I found it. I'm drinking it. It's pretty good. And yeah. So as for what I'm watching, I'm watching a few things right now, including I finally, finally, finally got to watch the new Suspiria, which We'll probably wind up doing an episode on once I get some other folks to talk about that film with me, because boy howdy is that movie a trip. I enjoyed the shit out of it, I'd love to talk about it, so maybe we'll get into that in a future episode sometime soon. Um, I've also started watching DC's Titans on the DC Universe, which was a surprise. I actually am enjoying that series much more than I thought I would, especially considering the fact that the most recent Marvel Netflix endeavor of Punisher Season 2 was such disappointment. And I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but if you were looking forward to it, I'm sorry, it's not that it didn't turn out to be that good. It's only slightly better than Jessica Jones Season 2, and Jessica Jones Season 2 was pretty bad. So, maybe it is a good thing that Netflix is canceling all of these series because they've kind of petered out over time. So, that's what I'm drinking, that's what I'm watching. Getting into what we're actually going to be talking about this evening. A little movie that I heard about a while ago. I had assumed that it was released in 2018, but... Everywhere I'm looking online is now saying that it was released in 2017. I guess it was just going around the festival circuit for a while, and I'd only just recently had the ability to watch it because it uh, was added to Shudder this past month. And so um, what we're going to be reviewing and talking about today is a film called Cold Skin. Now, I was really excited about this movie because I saw the trailer, um, I liked the actor, Ray Stevenson, who's in it. If you're not familiar with him, you should be, especially if you've seen Marvel movies, because he is in the Two Character Club, which is a small club of people who have actually 
played multiple characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He has had the ability to play Frank Castle, the Punisher, once again, making an appearance in this episode in the sequel to the original Punisher movie. Well, not the original Punisher movie, technically the second Punisher movie. So it was the third Punisher movie, Punisher Warzone. And arguably, he 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 was a, he was a pretty good Punisher, but he's also been in the Thor movies as Volstagg. Now, in that case, I feel like there's probably a bunch of actors I could I could see playing a better Volstag, but he wasn't bad. He's also had the opportunity to play a lot of other fun roles. He's been a musketeer. He's played Blackbeard. He's done a lot of other stuff. He's a great character actor, so I was really looking forward to see what he did in this movie. And you know what? He was... We're going to get into some spoilers for this movie, so if you do feel like watching Cold Skin, especially if you have a Shutter account, definitely check it out. But one spoiler right up front is Ray Stevenson is very naked in this movie. Lots of full frontal, lots of dong, lots of butt, lots of naked boy parts swinging around in this film. Not just because the movie's called Cold Skin, it should it could just be called Skin Skin, but that I guess that's not that wasn't scary enough for this film. So, getting into this movie, um, it's directed by the same gentleman who did uh, the film Frontiers uh, back in 2007. That is another sleeper hit R movie that I know a lot of people are fans of. But the problem with this guy is he's very hit or miss because in that same year of 2007, he also put out the Hitman video game movie adaptation that Timothy Oliphant was in that wasn't really that good. And so he kind of swings and kind of misses and kind of does his thing. He also was one of the contributors to ABCs of Death, which was a great, arguably great, fun anthology film. If you've seen one or two or 2.5, I believe, uh, ABCs of Death is a pretty entertaining series. But so it's an interesting combo. That director, Ray Stevenson, some other British folks. And yeah, so watching the trailer... The imagery for this movie is amazing. The setup is essentially 1914, right after the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, so the beginning of World War One, And this guy is basically found this way to get away from... You're not... I don't think you're, you're even very aware of why he's doing it or what... If he's being punished or if he's decided to escape the war to do this, but he's essentially being sent away to live on a faraway island to be a a lighthouse keeper, essentially. And so in the beginning of the movie, this guy's on a boat and he's writing in his journal and he's having monologue in his head talking about life and giving you the background of him and what's going on. And there's a, a fierce storm and it's all very pretty and very cinematic and dark and stormy night set up when they get to an island where they're trying to find the actual living situation, the, the the housing situation that he's going to be left in. And, you know, the, the captain of the ship was very concerned about this guy and wanted to make sure that he was set up correctly and living on this island, whether or not he was being punished or... They just didn't want to abandon him. And you get this vibe from this young British man who is not Ray Stevenson, first of all. He's some other guy, wasn't familiar with his work, but he's been in a lot of British TV shows that I haven't seen. But you might be familiar with him. But... He's going to this island to be a lighthouse keeper, but he's there to relieve the former lighthouse keeper. And in this introduction, we have this vibe that the captain, even though he knows he's being punished for something, still feels like he's almost has like this weird bond, like father-son bond. So he, he, he marches around with him to try to figure out 
the situation because it doesn't look good when they get on the island. Even though, like, all the shots are sweeping and everything's gorgeous and, like, weird and desolate and all this black rock and crashing waves. And it's a, it's a great setting for this movie. You get this real creepy old school isolationist semi HP Lovecraft vibe because especially if you watch the trailer you know there's going to be weird sea monster type element to this film that occurs it's very vague-ish in the trailer and so they finally find a house that's empty and abandoned but they drop off his stuff and then they find the lighthouse and on the way to the lighthouse they do find like a waterfall that has some crude carving in there that looks like it's been claimed by someone and they're assuming that's the guy that they're relieving or it's it's insinuated um, because you find out later on this dude is the only Ray Stevenson's character is the lighthouse keeper that he's there to relieve but when they get up to the lighthouse the lighthouse is basically decked out with crazy defenses like pikes and spikes and all the windows are barred and there's just things sticking out everywhere so like it, it seems like it's it's been reinforced to 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 defend against lord knows what at this point you have no idea and then they march up they finally break into the the lighthouse because ray stevenson's character isn't introduced at this point yet and he won't open the door and they don't even know if he's still there and then they get to the top of the lighthouse and there's Ray Stevenson naked. You see his butt. So that's where the horror begins, is Ray Stevenson's naked butt. And so then he gets up, he's very naked, and they're asking, like, oh, where is this person? And they're saying a name, like, and he's not responding to them. It takes him a while to wake him up. It's very obvious that he's, like, drunk or just out of it. And he's kind of a little crazy because he has this crazy beard and long hair and he looks all gross. And he looks a little, like, a little feral maybe like he's been away from people for so long and the way that they talk about it is it seems like these guys who are sent out here to do this either is like i don't know community service or like a jail sentence some sort of sentence for their crime or punishment or what have you is they're sort of isolated out there for a year now i don't a year isn't a lot isn't a i don't know i say that but i don't really know being stuck on an island by yourself would probably be intense for a year, but I don't know if it could drive you as crazy as Ray Stevenson's character seems really crazy in this movie. But, given what you're about to find out, it might be worth re-examining. So, getting into this up front, I didn't really prep you, dear listeners, but I wasn't as satisfied with this movie as I wanted to be. Going into it, I did read some... I didn't read reviews, but I did see people saying it was like a... A practical, a practical effects, effects wonder show. When, you know, all the, the monster effects and the, the different things that were done in the movie were incredible. And like, yeah, for a smaller budget, more indie-ish sci-fi horror movie, yeah. Like, it was really well put together. Again, the, the setting and the cinematography and everything, like the, the costuming was all really great. But just the... I don't know. The writing is a little heavy-handed at times. Some of the dialogue, some of the, the conversations that they have seems really on the nose and, and heavy-handed. And then some of the plot points that we're going to get into are are very troubling and just not great. But we'll go through that as well. So jumping back into it, we find out that Ray Stevenson's character is there for some reason, but he tells the captain and the crew and this this young British kid who's going to take over the lighthouse that the previous lighthouse character was 
was killed. Like, he, he got, what is it, he said he got some disease and then wandered off and died. Like, clearly a lie. We don't know what happened. But then the thing of it is, they don't, they question him for, like, a second, and they're like, okay, well, yeah, whatever. Like, no, nobody was expecting anybody else to be on that island. He was, that lighthouse keeper was supposed to be the only other person on the island, but Ray Stevenson's there, and nobody's like, well, who the hell are you? Which is weird, but they decide to leave the kid with Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson, there's no real conversation of him wanting to go back with them at all, I don't think, if I remember correctly. So it seems shady, and there is kind of a little bit of a an exchange between the captain and the kid where they're like, oh, are you sure you want to stay? Like, why don't you come with us? He's like, no, it'll be fine. Because shit's going down on the mainland, and nobody really wants to be around because they know war's coming. And it's it's an interesting metaphor for the way that the rest of the movie goes because basically there's this contentious relationship between the young British kid and Ray Stevenson where like they really butt heads because Ray Stevenson is just a guy who grunts and is naked and is kind of a dick and rules his roost in the the lighthouse and has his own little plot of land and believes he's king shit and he can get away with and do whatever he wants and then this like prim and proper well-educated British guy rolls in and is trying to do this kind of young isolated artist thing almost like he has all of his books he moves into the little like house that's across the island from the lighthouse and he's very settled and he's got all of his things and this is at this point where i realized that this movie is only a hundred and some minutes it's very like a like a very it's not a very long movie but it feels like a very long movie the setup especially is just like okay come on i get it they're isolated they're on an island it's gonna get spooky like i was waiting for it to get like spooky but it doesn't really it's just kind of it's very it's very much what you see is what you get you know shit's gonna go down the scariest it got for me is coming up where the first night the British kid is on the island, he has this, like, kind of, hey, I'm here to do this job, and Ray Stevenson's like, yeah, whatever, fuck off, get out of here. And he goes back to the little cabin, sets up his shit, starts writing in his journal, monologuing again, and all of a sudden, like, he starts hearing noises. And so, like, the first night, when shit starts to go down, is probably the spookiest the movie actually gets, because you don't know, at that point, you don't really know what's going on. And so he's holed up in the house, and... He starts hearing noises, and that's when it is sort of just, like, a scary moment where he hears the creaking, and it sounds like there's somebody or something walking around the outside of the house, and you're not sure because it does kind of a good job of making you think that maybe there isn't any kind of monsters. Maybe Ray Stevenson's just crazy, and it's like, okay, we're going to leave you on this island with this crazy person. That almost would have made for a better movie, now that I'm saying it out loud, because what we got is this weird shape of water bullshit and that's honestly probably why this movie didn't do as well as it did when it was released was because shape of water was a much better arguably a much different movie but like there are some parallels that can be drawn so i know i'm jumping around a lot because again usually when i'm not happy about movies i can't keep a very straight objective train of thought so he's in the house he has a gun that I can't remember if it was already there, if he brought it with him. He's got a ton of ammo, and he's just kind of survivalisting himself because this thing tries to break into the house, and he, he he chops its fingers off or something, and and then, like, a bunch of them come out and start attacking and break windows, and he shoots one of them, and that's the first night. 
you can't really tell what it is. You know they have, like, claws and teeth, and, like, they have, like, weird pale skin. Yeah, so he gets attacked by these unknown creatures, and he's sort of trying to figure shit out, and he, he wakes up in the morning, and he, I believe he sees, like, footprints in the sand, and it's all very vague and ominous, and it's more spooky because you don't know what it is, and you don't really know what's going on because you're trying to figure out, again, if it's Ray Stevenson, the crazy asshole who lives across the island, or if it's something else. And almost immediately, they just give that brilliant mysteriousness, like the H.P. Lovecraft-ish element of it, away, and just go whole hog into the, it's fish people. That's, that's, it's fish people. The next night, he sees, like, he's looking out the window, and he sees, like, these gray creepy big-eyed things crawling out of the water and running because they're sort of trying to take revenge like he didn't there were no bodies the first night so he didn't see anything or didn't realize what it was and the second night all of a sudden he sees like a ton of them just coming out of the water and heading towards the house and so this time he's prepared because during the day because apparently these things only come out at night during the day he fortified the house like ray stevenson had fortified the lighthouse and he put like pikes up and spikes and like made it so that they might not be able to reach windows but then he, <laughs> he creates this moat of debris and books and shit around the front of the house that he douses with like kerosene basically which seems like a good idea but he puts it way too close to the to the law to the wood cabin he puts this giant potential fire pit way too close to the wood cabin and inevitably the fish people come back they're pissed because he might have hurt or killed a few of their brethren that they were there just curiously looking for shit they were probably coming onto the island to maybe like borrow a book or a cup of sugar no they were probably just trying to steal his food or some shit who knows but this time around because he shot a couple of them the night before they're pissed so they're like even more more so like breaking windows trying to get in trying to kill him and so he shoots more of them through the door and then he's trying to figure out whether he should get out or what have you because the night before they did get into the house that was the thing there is a moment where they get into the house he's hiding in the basement and that's probably the best part is when he's like hiding in the basement and they're like they are ransacking the, the house while they're up there and he's like hiding in the basement he doesn't know what to expect he doesn't know what's going on he's like looking through and there's like a great little jump scare and yeah the front half of this movie is actually front loaded with some like decent reasonable scenes that are fun and like more horror than the rest of the movie is but it sort of loses that theme it like starts to chug halfway through the movie it does feel very slow but it's more about the care it's more character driven than it is just theme driven or like vibe driven like it's a horror movie that's not really a horror movie because everything's very plain in front of your face and so from there he sets his booby traps which backfire literally he throws a, a match or some he lights a book on fire i think and he throws it in the fire pit and the fire comes back and catches the house on fire and suddenly he's in a burning house surrounded by fish people that are trying to eat him and at that point i think that was the moment the moment where he home alones himself basically where he basically he's he's trying to set up these defenses you don't know much about this guy but suddenly he's like macaulay culkin from home alone and tim allen from home improvement smushed together wherein he's building all these crazy home defenses but he suddenly has the ability to be like this carpenter mr fix-it guy and you're like who the who the shit is this guy that he's he knows how to do all these things 
He doesn't have the internet. He didn't read a bunch of books to teach him how to do this. He's just MacGyver booby trap guy. And so that's weird. But then the fact that none of it actually really works or mattered at all. Because the fish people throughout the movie never seem that smart at all. Because they're fish people. They're like dolphin fish people. And if they could figure or work around or just not care about the traps or defenses that he set up, then it's just, what was the point? Like, there's nothing to that. And so anyway, he basically burns the house down because he's an idiot and winds up needing to, like, hide on the beach from them, I think, I believe, that night and manages to get away. But then the next day, he goes back and looks and sort of salvages what he can from, like, the partially burned down house. Like, he can't live there anymore, obviously, because it's... It was, besides the lighthouse, the only structure on the island, and now it's just basically, like, half of it's burnt down. It's not defensible, it's not safe, it's not weatherproof. It's not a shelter anymore, basically. And winter's setting in. So, he decides to go back to the lighthouse and bug Ray Stevenson's character. And Ray Stevenson's character is basically like, I told you so, like, you suck, you shouldn't have stayed here. Like, this is my island. Those fish people come every night. I've been dealing with it for a year. It sucks. And it then introduces you to the character, uh, I can't even remember if, yeah. Again, like, I don't remember any of the character names, and I could have looked them up, but again, it's just young British dude, Ray Stevenson's giant, crazy, ogre, island, bully guy, and then we're introduced to Fish Girl. So, Ray Stevenson lives in the lighthouse, and somehow managed to hide his weird fish girl slave concubine pet person and right off the right off the bat when this dynamic is introduced you get some real skeevy vibes you can tell there's something not so great going on between Ray Stevenson and the fish girl. And she just straight up looks like a dolphin person, which is kind of funny. But you do feel bad. Like, she probably does the best acting in the whole movie without really having to say anything. Because she she does. She basically has to act through body language. And she does some crazy acrobatics, Andy Circus performance where she's just hopping around, wearing all this makeup. It is all traditional makeup, unless in the scenes where giant mobs of these fish people are attacking the lighthouse that's all cg but she's fully done up in like the dolphin person makeup she's got to swim in it she's got to climb around she's got to jump she's on all fours doing crazy stuff but it doesn't take too long for there to be an awkward unfortunate scene where british kid wakes up to a sound and goes up into the lighthouse after ray stevenson agrees to let the british kid live there because he doesn't have anywhere else to go and so basically he's like you can live with me as long as you pull your weight and you help me fight off the fish people and you help me build up the house and you cook and he basically is like you also be my slave but i'm not gonna have sex with you like i have sex with the fish girl and that's what i was getting into is it, it doesn't take too long of the weird monologue journal entry things from the british guy to him to wake up one morning to hear a weird noise to try to go up into the top of the lighthouse and find ray stevenson awkwardly uncomfortably probably non-consensually fucking the fish girl and it's really uncomfortable because you knew that was coming but you didn't think that they were just gonna show it to you happening and that happens several times that happens at three times in the movie I think you see Ray Stevenson having sex with a fish girl and oh man it's just 
It's unnecessary. They could have very easily implied it because right off the bat, when you find out that that is a dynamic that he just has a fish girl living in his in his lighthouse, you're just like, okay, yeah, there's something weird there. But yeah, so you see that a few times throughout the movie. But the thing is, there's a side story where Ray Stevenson's character is worse and worse, and you can tell he's he's emotionally unstable, and he's he's got a lot of issues, and he's on that island for a reason, because he just can't relate to people, and he kind of has a lot of problems, and he treats people like shit, he's violent, and he's awful, but, like, the British kid isn't much better, like, he's kind of shitty, too, like, not as shitty as Ray Stevenson's character, but then there's this weird side story where the British kid over time realizes how shitty things are for Dolphin Girl and almost does this like, well, come away with me or like, I can protect you or you deserve better than like Ray Stevenson raping you all the time. This and that. I can understand from the standpoint where it's like he can tell her life living in the lighthouse with this guy is super shitty even though he feeds her and kind of takes care of her but she's essentially held against her will because he he found her during one of the first fish person sieges and like kept her or something or he she was stuck in a trap and he said i saved her and then i just kept her but really it seems that all the fish people are essentially attacking because they're trying to get her back but ray stevenson can't make peace with that and of course he's not going to give her back so essentially ray stevenson is holding her against her will kidnapping her and that whole dynamic I have a problem with because it just seems way too obvious and shitty for a character to be that stubborn, even though he plays the character very well and you do really want to hate him. Then the side story where the British guy is like, well, I'm so much better than him and I can do so much more for you and like I can protect you. And then there's this weird kind of awkward shape of water love story between the dolphin girl and the british kid that never really comes to fruition i don't think they wind up doing it i can't remember because i did wind up having to watch this movie in like a couple sittings like usually and by usually i mean always movies are meant to be unless you're like a parent or you know you have very pressing responsibilities movies should just be seen in one sitting I've never been the kind of person who could pause a movie and then come back to it a week later. That's exactly what I did with this movie. Not a week later, but like three or four days later, I picked up and watched the second half of the movie because it was just, it took me so long to get into it and it seemed really slow and then that bullshit started with Ray Stevenson having sex with the dolphin girl and then the British guy trying to have sex. It was basically like two dudes on an island and one unlucky fish girl and she is so sexualized in this film and that's what's troubling is that it's very on the nose and it's just there and there's no real good story or plot points around it and the fact that then there's this like Ray Stevenson starts noticing these weird touching moments literally and figuratively that the dolphin girl and British boy are having and he gets jealous and thinks that they're plotting against him and then he starts beating on the fish girl more often because they basically have this fucked up abusive relationship and oh my god the British kid tries to get her back to her people but then like in between there's all these montages of the night attacks where all the fish people try to siege the the lighthouse which is cool and like kind of scary but also it's mostly in cg so it's not that scary and there's also nothing like creepy about it like it's not 
again, it's not like the the beginning of the movie where they're trying to get into the cabin and it's like a couple of them and it's at night and it's dark and it's like lit by like an oil lamp and you know the atmosphere's there. It's literally just waves of these CG fish people and characters are shouting. They both have guns and it just it's not scary. It's more of an action element that doesn't that just seems really disjointed with how they set the movie up. It almost feels like two different movies. And so the British guy is trying to get the dolphin girl back to her people because he starts to put it together. The reason they're attacking is they want her back because there is this element where while they attack or before they attack, she makes this weird guttural sound, like this call almost, like she's howling kind of whatever a dolphin howl is. It doesn't sound like a dolphin. It sounds like this weird noise. And sometimes like Ray Stevenson provokes her to do it so that he can kill these fish people. And it's it's really bizarre. So then there's a moment where she finally gets to run away because after a few back and forths where Ray Stevenson and the British guy have fights, they finally decide to work together and he agrees to work with him to end the fish people. But then she runs away and is back with the fish people. I feel like I'm glossing over some story points, but I'm not going to ruin all of this movie. I still recommend people see it because again, it is a very beautiful movie Nothing to say against the ability of these actors. All of the acting is great in the movie. I just feel like they weren't done service by the writing. And the flow, the pacing of the movie, the horror elements of the movie aren't very well executed. But it's really cool. The island's really cool. The fish people are pretty cool, but it just is ruined by kind of the whole CG thing of it. At the end, when there are large masses of people in traditional dolphin people makeup, I guess, is kind of cool. Because then... He tries to make some sort of, like, his... He almost has this marine biologist, anthropologist interest in interfacing with the dolphin people and trying to communicate with them and make peace with them in this in this very basic, bro-y, mansplain-y way. Like, it just... It feels... That's the problem, is the whole tone of the movie just feels like man knows what's best. And it's just... It's clear when she's back with her people that the dolphin girl was actually some sort of important person in their society like she might have been a leader or some because she basically leads them when they come back and there's this moment where the british kid has this exchange with one of the young dolphin people children because they meet on a beach and there's a huge crowd of them and of course because ray stevenson's character is so crazy and paranoid he thinks that all of a sudden the British kid is working with the dolphin people and they're planning on killing him. So he strikes first and shoots a flare off like he normally does. And it just destroys this dolphin kid's face. And you see it coming a mile away. You know he's going to do something dumb to trigger them off again. And so of course the fish people go crazy. British kid basically feeds Ray Stevenson's character up to the fish people. And it's not even that. Like at that point... You, you sort of hate both of them. You definitely hate Ray Stevenson's character way more. But it's not even that satisfying. You just see him get overwhelmed by a crowd of the fish people, and that's, like, pretty much it. It's just like, okay, well, then there's that. And as the film resolves, it's basically just... It does that cute little thing that movies do where it's like, well, you know, it's the circle of life, and everything's circuitous, and everything comes around, and there is a season, and what have you and another group of people finally come to the island a year later after 
the British kid has been living there this whole time by himself after he kills Ray Stevenson. Because it's not very... You can't really tell how much time passes when all the shit goes down. But I imagine it was only, like, maybe... He might mention it in his diaries, but honestly, whenever the kids started monologuing, I tuned out. It was too easy to tune out whenever he starts, like, droning on about... It's been so long since I've been on the island. Whatever. And so... It's been a year and some time, and they decide that someone else is going to come out. Basically, it's the beginning of the movie over again, but instead of Ray Stevenson's character, it's the British kid. And the British kid is naked, and the British kid has a, a beer gut and a crazy long hair and a crazy beard. And he tells them that he died of some disease, and he's not... Re- and nobody asks any questions. Nobody's like, okay, well, if the previous lighthouse keeper died of whatever, who the hell are you and why are you here? But the other lighthouse keeper is there to take over... But he's going to stay, and it's still going, whatever. He's still defending the lighthouse from the fish. It's basically implied that nothing changes. Even though power changes hands, there's probably supposed to be some sort of metaphor for World War One because that's the guys come, and the tone of the the people who come to the island is very different. Like, they're, one of them is a British guy who's like, Damn it, there's a war going on out there, don't you know? And, of course, he doesn't because he's been fighting fish people, which is also supposed to probably be a metaphor for the war. And maybe, maybe my evaluation of this movie is very dense, and I missed a lot, but <laughs> it wasn't very good. I'm sorry. I wanted to really, really like this movie. Again, the imagery's great. The acting's not bad. I honestly would not call this a horror movie, per se. Sort of the same way how people do call Shape of Water a horror movie. It's not really a horror movie. It, I would say it almost falls into the same sort of category of semi-horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action. Like, it, it touches a lot of things. But while Shape of Water does the whole romantic sci-fi fantasy thing very well, I mean, it won an Academy Award, for God's sake. This movie, when it comes to fish-person love, interspecies human-fish-person love, and violence, and <sighs> lots of other heavy themes... It just doesn't do them very well at all. So, yeah, if you have Shudder, check out Cold Skin, maybe. Take as many seatings as you need to to finish this not-too-long movie. But, yeah, there's definitely better things out there to watch. I do look forward to seeing what this guy, what this crew, what these people come out with next because it seems like he has this arc where it's like good movie not so good movie good movie not so good movie so you know we'll see maybe maybe he's on an upswing so with that being said i'm sorry i don't always like having to put out movie reviews or beer boner episodes that are a little bit of a bummer but i want to give you guys my honest critique of the film i wasn't 100% against it, but I couldn't also say that I enjoyed the movie. I'm glad I watched it, because now I know, but I was a little bit disappointed, because I wanted it to be more. I wanted it to be... I wanted it to be a little bit more heavy-handed on the very stereotypical H.P. Lovecraft vagueness of things. Maybe if there was more fog on the island, maybe if we didn't see the creatures as much, maybe if there was more mystery. Definitely if there was more mystery. This movie was way too in-your-face with pretty much everything, and I think it could have been executed in a much better way, and implying a lot of the violence or implying a lot of the the sexual content of the, the film rather than just putting it right out there for you. Not that I'm a prude in any way, but just the way that 
it was portrayed didn't really serve it didn't it didn't move the story along it wasn't necessary and it just seemed kind of there you could even probably consider this movie a bizarre adaptation of the little mermaid because really that's kind of what it is but she's like a dolphin a mermaid dolphin person it's like a mermaid and a dolphin got drunk at a party and then made this movie that's my impression of this film it's a movie that exists it's a movie that you can watch and you're probably going to finish it and go, huh, I guess that's a movie I watched. So yeah. Now if you find yourself with a shortage of fish person films to watch, there are uh, plenty that I might recommend instead of watching Cold Skin. You can definitely also go back and listen to our previous Down in Front podcast episode where Warren and I review The Shape of Water from when it was released last year. That was a fun episode. But additionally... You could also just watch The Shape of Water, which is a much better, much funner movie. Again, maybe not fully hard horror, but if you do want a hard horror fish person movie, you could also watch Dagon, which is another arguably weird H.P. Lovecraft adaptation with fish people. That being said, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in, as always. New listeners, old listeners, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, next time... We'll probably be talking about a movie that I'm really into. I don't know what it's going to be yet. If we do get around to doing the Suspiria episode, I think what we're going to do, don't quote me on it, but I think what I'd like to do is I would like to get a group of people together, watch the original and watch the new one, and then have a discussion about it. So maybe we'll do that, because I feel like we'd have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, so thank you. And if you like what you've heard... You can find more over on downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a Facebook page over on facebook.com backslash downinfrontpodcast. You can also email the Down In Front guys directly at the crew at downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a YouTube channel where we post some of our video teasers as well as full episodes. You can look for us on there. We also have the Gamescast over on Twitch where sometimes you'll see Bryland or maybe Warren and myself playing some Monster Hunter or Spider-Man or what have you, just shooting the shit. You can find that over at twitch.tv backslash downinfrontpodcast. We also have an Instagram where we post a lot of the art from our episodes, the title pages, as well as links directly to the episodes. You can follow us there to keep you up to date. All of these places, as well as Twitter, at underscore D-I-F-P, or at Fearboners D-I-F-P, we will constantly keep you updated with new content when we release new things, or you can also go back and look at our back catalog. We're well over 100 episodes at this point, so there's so much listening for you. If it's a new movie, if it's an old movie, classic movie, we have an episode for you at this point that you're probably going to want to listen to if you haven't already heard it. And also, also, also... You guys have heard me say this a few times already, but it goes without saying. We love you. We love having this ongoing conversation, and we do it absolutely for free. But if for any reason you feel like you'd love to contribute and help us make sure that we get this content out to you on time, then take a look over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash down in front podcast you can potentially sign up to uh, dedicate a dollar, five dollars a month, what have you. Even a dollar helps. Like an Arizona iced tea, the price is on the can. Every little bit helps us to get this content out to you on time, fresh, and delivered to your ears, whether it be on your lunch break, on your commute to work, from work, what have you. We'd love to have you listen to us wherever you are, even if it's on the toilet. That doesn't bother us. Just don't tell us about it. So anyway, there you have it. 
ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, again, thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm going to drink so much of this Dr. Wine, I might become a fish person. So as always, dear listeners, keep it creepy and stay spooky. Spooky.